Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of The Work. The Work is a podcast that Gina Kelly and I do each week, um, talking to the great minds of the HR technology industry and beyond. Um, look for more beyond coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we're talking with Stacy Harris. And Stacy, if you don't know, Stacy is... First, let me let me just give you the list. Stacy is the author of the definitive textbook on HR technology. She is the head of a 25-year-old research project into the comings and goings and operational interests of HR tech in the user community. And she's the managing partner of the Sapient Insights Group. And I, I guess she doesn't sleep doing all of these things. Um, um, we'll have to we'll have to see what she does in her spare time. But Stacey, how are you? I'm doing well, John. Thank you for um, asking me to join you and Jean. I'm really excited to to get to uh, hear more about the work that you guys are doing on the podcast. So, so did I get the introduction right? Did I miss anything? No, you as always. You were very complimentary. Honored by always the the comments. It's. It's a lot of work, there's no doubt, but it's a passion of love. It's 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 a space that I enjoy greatly. Oh, you but, know what but, I forgot. Yeah. Come on, Stacy had a life before this though. Let's let's go go back a little bit. Uh, oh, I mean, oh yeah. Well, well so yeah. so Stacy was the reason that Burson and Associates exist. <laughs> she she was the backbone of research for exactly. the original Burson organization. She had the good sense to get out before it went to Deloitte. Um and has been a um, cage-free independent analyst for many, many years and founded with some really interesting partners, the Sapient Insights Group, a couple of years back. Um, what I'll else did I miss, fifth. Jean? Yeah, I'll take the first oh. one, some of that. <laughs> Stacy has street cred because she was a practitioner. Was it at Joanne? I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. I spent, spent many years before I even started on the analyst track and the research track. Um, in uh, as a practitioner at Joanne Stores, uh, Key Bank, and Management Recruiters International, um, and uh, really got a taste for um, retail and HR and operations and um, how all that works together. So, um, and I use it on a daily basis. And before that, um, I put myself through school on the ground, waitressing and doing a lot of fun stuff and camp counseling and those kind of things. So. I've been working for a really long time is really what it comes down to, Jan. <laughs> so you know work. Isn't yes. this apropos then that you're on a podcast yeah. titled The Work? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm, maybe, I'm interested in getting to know what you guys are doing there. Yeah. Maybe we should subtitle it The More Work. because <laughs> That's right. It's more work with the work. <laughs> well, Stacy, you know, John mentioned the survey and your, your annual research, and uh, I'd love to have you expand on that for our listeners please. Tell us what that's all about. Yeah, the survey, it, it is a labor of love. It's its not just my labor of love. It's something that's been, been in the industry for over 25 years. Um, started out by Lexi Martin. Many of you know Lexi. She's a um, longstanding industry thought leader in the market, um, now working over at Vizier for some time on their research entity. Um, but when um, she started the research in 1997, think back to where you were at 1997, right? Like I I was, it was still my big hair phase time, right? I, it was in, and I think I, I won't even say, I would think it was just, just getting out of grad school at that point in time. So it was, it was very early days for me, but she started out this amazing research effort where she wanted to understand 
this new thing called HR service delivery. Who would have ever thought that employees would be entering their own information into HR tech? Um, that's what um, the survey was. It was trying to understand employee self-service and where it was going. Um, and so she started it, ran it for 17 years. And then uh, when she moved on and decided to hand it over, um, she graciously um, asked me to take on this amazing um, effort and this research. And uh, myself and many other people who have worked with me in the past, um, Aaron Spencer, Kim um, uh, Lowry, um, lots of um, Tammy um, Smith right now is working with me, um, people who have been the backbone of the research behind me as well. Um, have continued to expand the research for the last um, eight to 10 years now. And now in its 25th year, it covers 56 HR technology categories. Wow. Um, a total of 450 questions. Not every question is asked for every person. It's a lot of branching and, and um, open-ended um, conversation questions. Um, but it also, um, my apologies, I thought I turned my cell phone off. Um, it also um, covers all the strategy and emerging technology and adoption. We cover pricing and resourcing. It really is more of a, a conversation with every person who takes the survey at this point, an interview on, on what they're doing with their HR technology. Um, and we have over 25 years of that data now that we're able to look at year over year. Um, I was just compiling a 25-year look um, and I'll, I'll hopefully have it at the HR tech conference, but a 25-year a look at the adoption track over sort of a year-over-year um, -year analysis. And you kind of see the ebbs and flows of certain technology like talent management and where it's been at and how it's been adopted and how it's being used. Um, so I'm excited to share some of that um, at the HR tech conference where we'll be able to show some of those 25-year looks. So. So you've mentioned the HR Tech Conference. Help our listeners understand what actually happens at the HR Tech Conference with your research, because I know that is is it really it's like it's like a big party. I mean, you're unveiling the results. Tell us about that. Yeah, and, and it's been this kind of um, relationship hand in hand. I think since Lexi started and, and back in the days of, of Bill Kudyk, right? Um, they um, Lexi always launch the HR technologies, the HR system survey results at the HR technology conference. Um, and when I took it over, we continued that um, tradition and expanded on it. And so now every year, uh, if you go to the annual HR technology conference, you know that it is a, a large event that usually has several thousands of people there and vendors and um, organizations dealing with HR technology in the market. And every year we basically um, take that opportunity to launch the big key findings, um, as well as the top vendor satisfaction and top uh, user experience um, uh, ratings in our research. That comes out of one of the things that we ask our, our uh, customer or our participants to share about their customer experiences. And we also try and share the big key findings. Now, what's changed a little bit over the last couple of years is that this big celebration of, of launching of the research, we used to be able to put out the full report at the same time as the key findings. Um, HR Tech kept moving the conference up. <laughs> yeah, 
I know we're like right after Labor Day this year. And and our survey respondents kept getting bigger every year. So we had more and more data to clean and more and more responses every year. And so it has really just become not feasible to actually get the report out at the same time as the conference. Um, so we now do the report um, week of uh, middle week of October. So it still goes out that middle week of October and we do the key findings at the HR tech conference. So it, it is a big celebration because, you know, um, customers get to see how their voice turned into data. Um, vendors get to see where their ratings are and um, everybody gets a chance to see sort of whether spending will be up or down in the next um, 12 months to, to 24 months in HR technology. And that's always probably the thing I get asked about most. <laughs> So, so I'm curious. We'll we'll get back into the into the survey and the analysis for a second. But you talk to a ton of people. Everybody wants to be on your dance card. What are the interesting things that you're seeing that are too early to be covered in the survey? Boy, well, you know, I think um, we're seeing a lot of really interesting. I don't know if I'd call it interesting, but I think it's. It's more um, uh, what you would call converging of, 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 of minds, right? This idea of the experience or the um, engagement platform, what is that really? Is that really just a replacement for what was traditionally the talent management platform? I think the market is really out on that. And we've gotten lots of calls, both from vendors and practitioners recently, just trying to understand what that is. And to be honest, it's it's probably too early even for the data to tell because buyers don't know what they're buying yet, right? Um, right. And so I think there's it's going to be an interesting um, six months to a year trying to figure that out. Very similar if anybody was back in 2006 in the early days of talent management before we knew what talent management was, right? Um, so that it reminds me a lot of that. You guys um, probably saw even more of that than I did. The, the other thing I think that's really starting to um, coalesce but won't show up in the data yet this year is um, we're seeing a lot of conversations with organizations about not, not the hybrid workforce management, people are figuring that out, but platforms and technologies and tools for better managing all the various tools and technology that are being utilized to manage that, right? Um, there's just a plethora of things out there in the market where people are kind of saying, look, um, I know how I'm going to collaborate. I understand how I'm going to um, make sure that I have um, performance managed both from hybrid person on the ground and a person who's working in the office. But I don't know how to bring all that together into a single environment where one person can manage it effectively. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of, of that space. And then the other, the other space is, is really in the data um, mining. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot of tools right now. I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of this where organizations are um, now trying to figure out how they can mine not the intranet as much as all of the different platforms now being utilized um, to speak to the employees. So it's not enough just to have the feedback tool. Now I want a tool that's going to mine the feedback tool, the HRMS, and the service delivery tool and bring together that single um, piece of information that I'm missing, right? So those are probably the three most interesting things that won't be in the data because it's too early for anybody to see right now. Are, are you seeing any, any hints of pay equity technology or 
diversity and inclusion technology that make a um, an actual difference. You know, it's it's <laughs> right, not just lip service. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a that's a dangerous world, right? Um, yeah. <sighs> I will say right now we are asking about pay equity and there will be some there will be some data in the survey this year about what oh, organizations are using for their pay equity tool sets um, because we that was big last year right we were seeing lots of organizations start to talk about it and lots of organizations trying to figure out um, there were tools that were doing it four years ago five years ago but people weren't really ready to to see the data then what I would say is that um, until we can tie pay equity to skills, it is really going to be hard to get our, an, uh, an actual pay equity tool set, right? Um, because as long as pay equity is tied to um, just background, um, it's always going to be a challenge to make it, make it work effectively. And I have not seen many tools that have been able to tie it to skill sets very effectively. Remind me to show you one. There are there are some interesting things happening there, and that and that that sort of gets me to the next thing, which is, which is over these years, um, the HR Tech Survey has been um, blessed with relatively stable economic circumstances. Uh, we haven't seen inflation. And, and when inflation hits, inflation has a really massive impact on the way that HR operates. From, and buying trends. And buying trends. From, from how do you deal with pension funds that are eroding in value mm -hmm. to compensation that, that where the pay equity problem is aggravated by the fact that new workers are getting paid more than old workers. Um, exactly. Um, are you seeing anything about that out in the market? Um, you know, it's interesting. We were just talking a little bit about, you know, our data is kind of an interesting data set because we go to we go to the survey goes out mid-May every year, same time, and we close every year in mid-July. And you can definitely, we talked about the, there's earning calls somewhere in between there that fall. And you can see a distinct um, difference in uh, level of um optimism, I would say, is a good way to put it, right, in the first half compared to the second half of that data set. And I'm already starting to see that a little bit. Um, what, I, what I will say is I, I, I think that the challenge I think right now is that what COVID did in, in light of inflation, right, is COVID brought into clear relief that you can't not have your HR systems in order, right? And so for any funding that was driven by the fact that people just didn't have things in order during COVID, that I think is going to continue moving forward, right? Any funding that was, how do I best put this? Feel good is not quite the right word, but, but that was driven maybe by more social um, goals or that's driven maybe by more um, optimistic views of where the market's heading, that, that funding I think is, is slowing down, right? And so if I were to be betting on anything, I, th I think compliance and healthcare and benefits and payroll, as I said, payroll is an area we saw a huge uptick in people who participated in that particular section alone. 
might be the hot thing in the next six months to a year because that's where people fell down during COVID. They didn't have those things in place effectively. The fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So when you look at payroll, what are we talking about? Are we talking about earned wage access? Are we talking about new pay, new ways of 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 uh, pay schemas, payments? Uh, is that being driven by generational changes? I'd be curious to to know what you're seeing there. There's definitely I'm I I don't have the exact number yet because we haven't got all the data and analyzed yet, but I can I can already say it just by looking that we're expecting. The on-demand pay, whatever you're calling that right mm-hmm. uh, term, is uh, definitely going to be much higher in interest um, now than it was just last year. Um, we're also seeing higher interest in outsourcing various services, which I think gets to what you were just talking about, mm-hmm. which is the different types of um, services, both for your company, but for your employees in payroll. We're seeing more interesting sort of service offerings by some of the vendors around um, um, how they're interacting with um, the payroll data and the payroll um, information and and the money itself, right? Mm-hmm. We're also starting to see some new players enter this space, right? If if you haven't been watching closely, um, we have as many people who say that they're using Square as their payroll solution as anything else, <laughs> right? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So crossover to the consumer side. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah, and I think that... Once you take the, the payroll float issue out, yes, what's happening in the market, finance, I mean, you, if you follow the money, big consumer companies are going to start to realize there's money to be had in managing payroll. For time, yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Especially in challenging financial times. Yeah, exactly. that's, that's yeah. very interesting. So, so who wins when you look at the, you know, and I know, I know you haven't, haven't uh, completed all of your analysis yet. And we're, we're not asking you to share anything preemptively because we want to have everyone at the HR tech conference, of course, in that room to listen to these findings, but, but who wins so far this year? Do you think it's the employee that's in control? Do you think it's the employer? Boy, that's, um, I think I have a better thing saying who's losing right now. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> there are two sides um, of the coin. <laughs> yeah. So, so what's interesting, you know, um, one of the things I, I, you know, we got more responses this year than we've ever gotten, right? We had over, over 5,000 responses to the survey data this year. Um, some of that was spam. We found a lot of, you know, about 1,500 of it was spam. We, we get rid of that pretty quickly in our cleaning process. But there was, in that sort of data, we started to realize that there was a lot of our, what we call our prior respondents who had not responded. Those are people who we know have responded year over year. And so we started going out and reaching out and saying, hey, you know, can you, you know, early on, we said, we're noticing that you're not responding. Can you tell us what's different? What's changed over the last year? Why are you not responding? We had a lot of responses back from those prior groups. They emailed us back that they were overwhelmed with work. They were too busy to respond mm-hmm. like they normally would. Could they still be added to the list because they still wanted the report? <laughs> I don't know how many people responded. Please put me on the list still. I promise I'll do it next year. Um, I mean, like 15, 20 responses, right? It was, it was almost heartbreaking. I think if there's anything right now that we're seeing is that HR has been stretched to the limit this year. And they went from COVID and managing chaos and not being able to get enough 
resources in the most recent, you know, first part of the year to all of a sudden um, dealing with the fear of recession, which then meant they had to sort of think a little bit differently about um, the resources they had available and are we going to start to lay off employees? We've not had a break, if you look about it, in the last two years from an HR professional's perspective. And they've all been in environments where they have not had enough resources to do the work. So that I think is probably the scariest part of anything that I'm seeing in our data set is that um, although we got more respondents and we did get many of those people who finally came back and said, okay, I've got time now to respond. We, some of them we even called to sort of like, hey, we'll take your interview over the phone. We've done that with people who have responded year over year before. Um, what, we, what we're finding is that um, this HR community is, is stretched to the limit right now. Um, and in that, I think businesses are, you know, they're swinging as fast as they can, but I, I think they are, they are oftentimes forgetting the people who are holding the, the ship together. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I think that we are almost beyond burnout. Um, people are on autopilot and the midpoint has been reset. So people are very touchy. They're very emotional. They're very, um, I think I think a lot of that, in fact, has driven the great resignation. People are just like, there isn't any more of me to give. And so they wind up leaving the workplace for a while and hopefully, you know, rejuvenating and coming back in. But um, but I do think this has been a period of time where I've I've witnessed um, some really unusual interactions. People and especially HR people have really been been tested. Um, John, I'm curious if you've observed similar behaviors. I know a lot of people who are burnt out, and I know a lot of people who are drawing tighter boundaries um, than mm. than they used to draw. So, so um, I I find that I know more people who are taking weekends off. Um, and I find yes. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your photos of the beach yesterday on Facebook. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Good COVID, for you. <laughs> COVID has driven me to take weekends off, which is not yeah. something that I did most of my life. But yeah. but it's also true for lots of people that I, that I encounter on a routine basis. Is they're they're not getting on airplanes on Sunday night to be at a meeting somewhere on Monday morning, um, and. The HR people are going nuts, but I want to I want to come back and ask you a question that I think I know the answer to, but it's a, it's a way of prodding something for another conversation down the road. Is there an ethics question or two in the survey that you do? Um, we did ask yes, so we we have some ethics questions in our what we call our um, ESG or our social responsibility area. So we ask about the ethics as it relates to um, workforce um, uh, decision-making. We have not asked as an ethics question yet about the software. So, um, and and we've been kind of playing with that. We're not exactly sure if buyers are making decisions based off of of ethics inside of the software community, but we, we, right now it's currently around their, workforce decisions that are being made inside organizations. Yeah, the, the, the thing that prompted me was the discussion of pay on demand, right? Yeah. I, I, um, you know, pay on demand is a code for indentured servitude. 
Um, and so, so I wonder if, um, um, I wonder if the people who make decisions about pay on demand actually understand the implications of locking people into jobs that they can't leave. Yeah. Um, and it seems to me that what's going on with technology in general is that we're hitting an era where we can't just say the technology is what you use to fill out forms. So there aren't really any ethical issues associated with it because now the technology is hyper-integrated with lifestyles and decision-making. And that means that instead of it being blank spreadsheets that we're talking about, we're talking about tools that have real honest-to-goodness ethical implications in the lives of the people who are the objects of the decision-making. And, and the technology is more likely to dehumanize than it was when it was just spreadsheets. And so... So this is me encouraging you to investigate that in the future. We, you know, it's interesting because it's, it's, you know, the thing about being the voice of the customer is you have to sort of understand what does the customer know when they're buying technology, right? Mm -hmm. um, and to some extent, um, what is their thought process when they're going into it? We do have a question about um, culture. What kind of culture are people, organizations trying to create? And then there's a question about, um, we want our organization to be seen as the most ethical and highly, you know, um, uh, I think I can't exactly terms, but it's basically something along those lines, organization as, as the kind of culture, right? But what we find is that um, I think, at least in my perspective, much of this ethics conversation has to be buried as a burden on the vendor side as much as on the buyer side, right? Um, agreed, agreed. Uh, yeah, because I think, you know, it's interesting. I've had this conversation with several of the vendors. I know you have as well. I mean, it, it is your your bread and butter. Um, and I have seen so many organizations who briefed me on these applications for wellness and healthcare and, and you know, on-demand pay and financial, you know, um, you know, information. And in every case, you know, you ask them, you know, what does your ethics committee look like? And generally, you start to hear chirping, right? There isn't one. There isn't one. Right? <laughs> there isn't you're one. Like, you're like yeah. you're not just dealing now with someone's even schedule, which is which is bad enough as how it impacts them. Right. But now you're dealing with how that you know they're they're going to pick a mental health provider and 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 how they're going to you know you know help their kids you know through um, financial planning. It's it's just it's really scary, right? To some extent that that we yes. don't have. Um, an ethics committee around much of these things. Um, I'm just not quite sure yet. And so maybe John, me and I can collaborate on it, how I ask the buyer about it. Cause I don't know what the words are that the buyer needs to, what should they be? Should that be a tick box on every vendor selection? Do you have an ethics committee? Um, is that enough? Right. I don't know. Well, yeah. No, so I, I think the question is there are many places that HR is about to have to learn how to think. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, it's been a reactive discipline. It's a great, wonderful part of organizational design. But going forward, since much of the technology makes movement around deeper things than do I have your name or address right? Yeah. Um, you know, sort of the consequences of where this where the survey started. Um, are now here, and the question for the for the buyer 
is, do you consider the ethics of your purchase before you make it? Um, and you know what the answer is. The answer is no. But yeah. if you ask it, if you ask it often enough over the next five years, you'll see a trend line up. Um, <laughs> well, similar to the trajectory we've seen with diversity. Exactly. So, so yeah. I mean, you have to you have to put this in the conscience of of the uh, of the buyer. Um, these are uh, very slippery slopes. <laughs> some of these, I mean, and some of the data being collected, very, some of the wellness apps, uh, you know, very, very interesting, but, uh, but very blurry lines. Yes. And, and I think the buyers, they, you know, I say that things are on the upswing, right? Um, and they're not just um, <laughs> particularly in the sense of like on-demand paying. I've had some conversation with the with the practitioners who were trying to make decisions about this. They're not wanting to do this. In many cases, it makes their life actually quite a bit more difficult. It, they're, it's being requested by the employees um, because employees want this access to the money more quickly. And so I, I get where you're coming from to some extent, John, but I also think that the the employers are are trying to figure out how to manage this effectively, right? When um, their employees are coming to them asking them for some of these things. They're being asked for the wellness apps. They're being asked for the um, a lot of this stuff, which is very consumer um, modeled is a better way to put it, right? Is not something that the, the um, employers are comfortable even getting into. They, they, it's not where they're first heading. But what I hear from them is they're getting asked by their employees and that's changing their perspective on it. That, that that'd be an interesting longer conversation because yeah. because because that that sounds like exactly what one of the vendors would say. Um, it does, it does, <laughs> and 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 what's coming to my mind is it's okay to say no. <laughs> we don't want to do that. <laughs> That's you know how you put you know effective boundaries and guardrails in place to protect uh, the the organization, but ultimately also the employee. Um, you know, on demand pay is a great example. So just because I use Venmo in my personal life and that's the way I think and I don't want to wait, you know, um, doesn't mean I should be, you know, uh, looking for pay every two days. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very I get what you guys are saying. And, and, and I do get that it is uh, I'm, I'm this is not a perspective from a vendor by any means. This is this is literally the practitioners who have come to us um, asking these questions. So it is we've got to give them the tools and the education, I think, is, is the issue, right? Yeah. They've got to have yeah, the tools right. to fight back if we really want them to have that conversation. Right? Exactly. Right. Well, and I think the three of us um, on today's podcast are huge fans of critical thinking skills yeah. and uh, <laughs> and making sure that people learn critical thinking skills because they will find them very valuable. Yes, very much so. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, Stacy, we're we're unfortunately at time. Yeah. I'd love to ask you to please um, take a moment, tell our listeners exactly when you'll be presenting at the HR Tech Conference, how people can get a copy of the research when it is done, and also how people can get in touch with you. Uh, definitely. So, thank you, Jean. Um, first of all, thank you for asking me to join. I, I, it's always such a pleasure to talk with both of you guys. You always ask the best questions. It's, it's a great conversation. Um, but um, if uh, I um, would, if 
people would like to see um, more details about the research, uh, we are the Wednesday morning keynote at the HR Technology Conference um, at 8 a.m. sharp, I believe is when it starts. Um, and uh, we are very excited to be um, opening the, the second day of the HR Technology Conference with the key findings from the report. Um, if um, people are not able to attend the HR Technology Conference, we will have um, the material available um, at a later date through a webinar. So they can go to uh, uh, sapientinsights.com and find out details about that or download uh, the key findings um, at a later date and point. But you really do want to go to the event because it's going to be much more fun. Uh, we might even, I can't promise, but there might be cocktails afterwards. I can't say for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, little, sign us up. A, that's a little early, even for Vegas. Right yeah, after. Well, you know, mimosas are, are a great thing. Oh. Uh, I'm, at that point in time, I'm definitely going to need something. <laughs> um, but no, honestly, um, and if people want to reach out to me, um, probably the easiest way to reach out to me is um, through LinkedIn. Um, you can, it's uh, Stacy Harris um, or on Twitter at Stacy Harris HR, um, but you're more than welcome also to email me at Stacy at sapieninsights.com, all easy ways to access um, uh, and contact me. Love to talk about the research or any questions people have about the work that we're doing. So. Well, this is the gold standard in the HR technology category. And Stacy, thank you so much for spearheading it every year and for joining us uh, today. Delighted to have you. And John, any closing comments? No, thanks, Stacy. It's nice to see you doing so well. Fantastic. Okay. See you Bye. in uh see you in Vegas. Yep. Okay. Bye everyone. See you bye in bye. Vegas. Bye bye.